The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Welcome to the Kotke Ride Home for Wednesday, February 3rd, 2021. I'm Jackson Bird. What causes ice ages? The science behind your frying pan. You know, the one that's supposed to be non-stick but isn't. Scientists explain why. Other scientists, presumably not the same ones, but hey, maybe, have engineered spinach to send emails. Sort of. And did you hear about the Hollyboob prank? If not, or if you supremely don't care, it may say more about our current relationship to viral stunts than the stunt in question. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. With the nor'easter having rolled in on the East Coast and leaving us with almost two feet of snow here in New York City, I've been thinking a lot about climate change and extreme weather and the global temperature changes throughout the planet's history, which led me to some information about what actually causes ice ages to occur. And before we get into that, an interesting fact that I feel like I learned sometime before but still sounds so implausible that I had to double check, technically... We are currently living through an ice age. Sounds bananas, I know, but it's true. The current ice age began about three million years ago. So why doesn't our planet look like Hoth? Because within ice ages, there are periods of glacials, when it's extremely cold and the planet is largely covered in ice, and interglacials, when the planet is warmer and some or most of it is free of ice. And that's what we're in now. The current interglacial began about 10,000 years ago. The last glacial period peaked about 20,000 years ago, and is what most people are referring to when they talk about the Ice Age, even though an Ice Age as a phenomenon, not as an era, is a periodically recurring thing. There have been five major Ice Ages throughout Earth's history, with the first one occurring more than two billion years ago. But what causes them? Quoting Discover Magazine, Earth goes about its business in a pretty regular way, spinning on its axis and looping around and around the sun. But there are some variations in the pattern. Over time, the tilt of the Earth, its orbit, and its wobble change a bit. These very minor and regular adjustments in the angle of the Earth relative to the sun affects the amount of solar radiation or insulation that reaches Earth. Even though the tilt changes by only one degree or two, that's enough to change the angle at which the sun's energy hits, explains Elizabeth Thomas, a paleoclimatologist at the University of Buffalo. And of course, less energy from the sun means colder temperatures. During the colder winters, snow falls on the land. If the summers are cool enough, the snow lasts until the next winter. Eventually, there will be more and more snow building up, and that will pack down into a glacier. 
The glacier will continue to grow until it's a continent-sized ice sheet. Meanwhile, the Earth's orbit changes enough from time to time to cause the ice sheets to retreat, a little or a lot, creating interglacial periods. End quote. Well, there's also two other factors, ocean currents and carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide levels seem to change in lockstep with changes in ice volumes. We think because, according to Thomas, quote, ocean circulation slows down during these glacial periods, and that causes a lot of the CO2 that would be in the atmosphere to be trapped down in the deep ocean, end quote. While transitioning into a glacial period takes thousands of years, coming out of one, warming the planet, takes a relatively brief amount of time, and that can partially be explained by ocean currents contributing more quickly to ice melting than freezing. Quoting Thomas again, If Earth's orbit moves back into a configuration where the planet is receiving a lot of energy, the oceans start heating up, and the edges of the ice sheets begin to melt. And when the ocean circulation starts turning on again, that burps up a lot of CO2. End quote. And that CO2 heats up the atmosphere, meaning the ice sheets start melting from above as well as below. Then as they melt, big chunks break off, which of course makes them melt even faster. And that melting, as you well know, is a big concern. According to Earth data, there's enough ice sitting on top of Greenland and Antarctica that could be melted to raise sea levels hundreds of feet. Although scientists doubt we'll see a total melt this century, but of course even just three feet could completely wipe out many places people currently call home. But going back to the notion that we're currently in an interglacial period of an ice age, quoting Discover, If we didn't have global warming, would we be entering an ice age that's potentially just as dangerous? Well, maybe, but not nearly so suddenly. The advance is so slow that the next ten generations would hardly notice it, says Thomas. On the other hand, if we hadn't been in an ice age when humans started cranking up the heat, things would already be much, much worse. So we do have an ice age to thank for that. End quote. In a new paper about how oils behave on hot, flat surfaces published yesterday in the journal Physics of Fluids, scientists offer a few explanations on why food still sticks to your nonstick frying pan. We all know the struggle. You may avoid using certain utensils or cleaning methods, only cooking certain things on it. Some methods work better than others. Maybe you gave up and said it's a total marketing ploy. Nonstick isn't even a real thing. Well, according to this paper, it is, and the reason that food still sometimes sticks to non-stick pans? Thermocapillary convection. Really explains it all, doesn't it? You're welcome. Alright, thermocapillary convection is, quoting Gizmodo, a phenomenon in which a surface tension gradient forces a liquid, in this case usually oil, to mitigate outwards. End quote. To test the formation of dry spots on heated surfaces like pans, paper authors Alexander Fedorchenko and Jan Ruby covered one ceramic pan and one Teflon pan with a thin layer of sunflower oil, and then measured how long it took the dry spots to form as the pans heated up. Quoting again, The scientists noted that as the pans were being warmed from below, a temperature gradient appeared across the oily film. This, in turn, created a surface tension gradient, which directed the oils away from the center of the pan and towards the periphery. Liquids with high surface tension pull more forcefully on surrounding liquids compared to liquids with low surface tension. 
This is an excellent example of thermocapillary convection at work. Once this happens, food is more apt to stick to the center of the pan, the result of the formation of a dry spot in the thin sunflower oil film, according to the study. End quote. So to avoid those dry spots that can cause your food to stick, Fedorchenko and Ruby recommended, quote, increasing the oil film thickness, moderate heating, completely wetting the surface of the pan with oil, using a pan with a thick bottom, and stirring food regularly during cooking, end quote. So in other words, everything you were probably already trying. Another tick in the camp for non-stick being a made-up marketing ploy. But hey, as Gizmodo points out, at least we now have a fun word to blame it all on. Thermocapillary convection. Alright, so this one really relied on a clickbait headline that has caused a stir on Twitter, but scientists have engineered spinach plants which are capable of sending emails. Sort of. Quoting Euronews, Through nanotechnology, engineers at MIT in the U.S. have transformed spinach into sensors capable of detecting explosive materials. These plants are then able to wirelessly relay this information back to the scientists. When the spinach roots detect the presence of nitroaromatics in groundwater, a compound often found in explosives like landmines, the carbon nanotubes within the plant leaves emit a signal. The signal is then read by an infrared camera, sending an email alert to the scientists. The experiment is part of a wider field of research which involves engineering electronic components and systems into plants. The technology is known as plant nanobionics and is effectively the process of giving plants new abilities. End quote. While this particular experiment was focused on explosives like landmines, the scientists behind it believe it could have environmental applications as well, like warning researchers and farmers about drought, pollutants, or other conditions. Plants are always absorbing data from their surroundings, so to speak, so the key is designing the plants into sensors for various substances using nanoparticles. Research lead and MIT professor of chemical engineering Michael Strano said, quote, Plants are very environmentally responsive. They know that there is going to be a drought long before we do. They can detect small changes in the properties of soil and water potential. If we tap into those chemical signaling pathways, there's a wealth of information to access. This is a novel demonstration of how we have overcome the plant-human communication barrier. End quote. And this study, though having a moment today and yesterday, was actually published in the journal Nature Materials in 2016. And the paper's lead author, Min Hao Wong, has since started a company called Plantia to continue developing the technology. And the sky is kind of the limit. In addition to telling us about their environment, we could also use this technology to learn more about the plants themselves, their needs, helping us maximize yield for rare plants used in vital compounds, as one example. So it is actually very fascinating and pretty legit. As Wong says, quote, It is almost like having the plant talk to us about the environment they're in. End quote. But the story, as it's proliferating around Twitter, is also pretty clickbaity with the whole spinach can now send emails thing. Still, it's leading to some pretty good jokes, like this one from Ambrose Persimmon, quote, Finally, I was going to scream if spinach insisted on another meeting that should have been an email. End quote.
Well, speaking of clickbait, you may have seen that on Monday, the Hollywood sign in Los Angeles was briefly altered to read Holly Boob, using canvas tarps to cover the W with a B and turn the D into another B. The stunt was conceived and executed by Julia Rose and a number of her friends. Rose is a model, influencer, and founder of Shag Mag, an online magazine that describes itself as Playboy's hotter sister and features photos of nearly nude and often topless women models. Rose says that she came up with the idea last year after facing consistent what she calls censorship by Instagram. Quoting CNET, Her personal and company accounts had about 6 million followers combined before they were disabled, the LA Times reports. Rose told the newspaper she knew she was pushing the boundaries of censorship on the accounts by featuring other scantily clothed influencers, but believed Instagram and its parent company Facebook targeted influencers more aggressively than established brands like Playboy. We don't allow nudity on Instagram, and we removed these accounts for repeatedly breaking those rules, a Facebook company spokesperson said in a statement Tuesday. End quote. In any case, Rose says the stunt was to raise awareness about the social media platform's censoring of breasts, which, to be fair, is part of a larger complaint a lot of people have about major platforms, moderation, and community guidelines when it comes to various types of nudity. And other people interpreted the stunt as raising awareness about breast cancer, which is an interpretation Rose approves of. Back in 2019, she and her friends flashed the TV cameras during the World Series, allegedly to raise awareness about breast cancer. So, you know, she has a precedent. Rose and five others were arrested shortly after turning the Hollywood sign into the Holly Boob sign. LAPD Captain Steve Lurie tweeted that the stunt was, quote, way uncool, end quote. Apart from my total amusement that L.A. cops officially describe incidents as way uncool, Lurie spoke to a larger point here. This stunt was a blink-and-you-missed-it event. If you live in L.A., it wasn't up too long, but even if you're extremely online, the story was drowned out by at least half a dozen other things yesterday, depending on your filter bubble. Back in 2017, when artist Zach Jesus Hands Fernandez made the sign say Holly Weed to celebrate the legalization of weed in California, most of us at least heard about it and talked about it for a few days. It even lives on as a staple on merch hocked at gift shops in the neighborhood, although it did have some deeper resonance since it was in part a nod to the same stunt done in 1976 when L.A. criminalized weed. Maybe Holly Boob didn't take off because it wasn't tied to a big piece of legislation, or because weed is, in a way, an easier joke. Stoner humor is either funny to you or it's not. The boob thing, unfortunately, seems immediately political in some way. You're not sure if you're supposed to laugh or not. Is it empowering or objectifying? Even the issue, nuances of social media censorship, isn't as straightforward as legalizing marijuana. And it does just come across differently when you're doing something for clout versus doing it for the lulz. Rose was, after all, at least partially trying to up her profile since she posted photos and videos including her own arrest on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, none of which have performed any better than her usual content. Writing in Mel Magazine, Miles Klee points out that stunts like this just don't hit the same way in 2021, in our age of stranger-than-fiction news headlines and brains overly jaded by marketing ploys. Doing a stunt like this feels like someone today telling you to come up with the next Ice Bucket Challenge or the next Coney 2012. Quoting Mel, 
None of this earned Rose and her accomplices remotely the level of exposure as, say, a TikTok of a guy deliberately falling in his kitchen and smashing a gallon of milk, or a woman's tweet about getting rejected by a dude because he found someone vaccinated to date instead. In many ways, we have come to prefer this smaller, organic content to the big, coordinated event. We're more averse to what seems designed for virality, rightly suspecting commercial intent. The stunt is a brand move. When a silver monolith appeared in the Utah desert at the end of 2020, many rolled their eyes at the coverage, anticipating the reveal of a cynical marketing scheme. It was altogether more surprising that no corporation finally emerged to take credit and sell their new product. Much as the old clickbait strategies have been abandoned by all but the junkiest websites and aggregators, it's been a long while since you had your interest piqued by the phrase, you'll never guess what happens next. The grandly executed designs that would have broken the internet in a previous age have begun to feel like anachronisms. If you can pull major clout by screen capping a zeitgeistly text exchange or lip syncing what the president said or instigating a run on stocks that should be worthless, why go to the extra trouble, especially when it involves getting arrested? Moreover, our social bubbles are so heavily customized that it's hard to develop an idea that cuts across all of them. Hollyboob isn't a failure, per se, though it indicates the limits of calculated spectacle. When you've seen rioters storm the U.S. Capitol in a display of chaotic rage less than a month ago, something like this is hardly diverting. End quote. On the one hand, you know, I suppose it's nice that we're moving past these kinds of viral stunts enough for brands to slowly start giving up on them. But on the other hand, I hope it doesn't mean we're collectively ruined for simple pranks and art. You know, I want that silly stuff to still be able to cut through the noise. And I want it to be done not by a brand or an influencer looking for more likes, but by anonymous or little-known artists just trying to make someone else laugh. But then again, I also secretly always thought flash mobs were kind of fun, so what do I know? That is it for today. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media and Kotki.org. I am Jackson Bird, and, well, I'm going to go cancel my plans to vandalize the Statue of Liberty's tablet to read Buy GameStop Stock, because apparently no one will care. I hope you have a good rest of your day, and I will talk to you again tomorrow. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.